He's uh, Robert Griffin III, or sometimes referred to as Robert Griffith Jr. III. Robert Griffith Jr. III. Thank you, McLovin. ESPN College football NFL analyst and, of course, won the Heisman at Baylor. He's got a podcast. It's called RG3 and the Ones with Wave Sports Entertainment, a unique look at the NFL season through the lens of a veteran quarterback alongside the game's best playmakers. Good morning, Robert. How are you? I'm doing great. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. Uh, I still have your shoes. That was either your pro day or the combine that uh, you gave me. The gold yes. ones. Yeah. Yes, those are from the combine for sure, where we ran a 4-3, and then they auto-corrected it back to a 4-4. I'm still holding on to that 4-3, though. Huh. Uh, last time a team contacted you about playing? Uh, this offseason. So uh, probably August, mid-August. And it's, who, um, who was it? Oh, I can't tell you who that was out of respect for for the teams. Um, but the bottom line is, for me, uh, I want to play still. I'm enjoying what I'm doing in the media, being one of your colleagues. But if the right opportunity came along, I would certainly um, entertain it and make the right decision. What made you want to start the uh, podcast? What makes it different? Um, you know, just being able to have a longer forum. You know, as you know, with podcasting, it's it's not about hot takes. It's not about, you know, a 30 second clip. You get 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour to truly break down the game, have a good time, get people to know you a little bit better. Uh, and I just thought that was a safe space for me to be able to connect uh, with the sports community and celebrate sports the way that I think it should be. And I want you to be on the show as well, man. You're, you're one of the greats in this business and it would be an honor to have you on. I'd be more than happy to uh, do that. We're talking to uh, RG3, his uh, new podcast called RG3 and the Ones, available Wave Sports Entertainment. Let me hit you with the poll question. Should Bill Belichick be on the hot seat in New England? Um, Dan, I don't think he should be on the hot seat. Uh, I know that there's... There's some numbers running out there about how many wins he needs to, to reach the all-time uh, record. But I do think that he should get some heat for what he's done to Mac Jones. Um, honestly, year two, given Mac Jones, a defensive coordinator and a special teams coach as his offensive coordinators, is the main reason Mac Jones is playing the way he is right now. He had a number six offense in the league in 2021 with Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator. If he would have just went and got Bill O'Brien in year two, I think Mac Jones would have continued to climb in his trajectory. But because of last year's debacle, now Mac Jones isn't playing with as much confidence. And I don't think it has anything to do with the, the guys around him. It, it has a lot to do with the play calling and, and how they've structured it. In 2021, they, they play action pass 27% of the time. And that's the kind of quarterback he is. He can go through his reads, pure progressions. He can do play action, and he can get the ball out of his hands. This year, they're doing it 14% of the time. And I don't think anybody's afraid of their running game. Yeah. And now you're asking Mac Jones to go out there and be Patrick Mahomes and create. And we saw what happened when he threw the pick six uh, this past week. It's just not a part of his game that he's ever been elite at. So I do think that Bill deserves some, some heat there because he's the greatest coach of all time. I know you feel the same way probably in the NFL. But even the greatest coach of all time can mess it up, and he certainly did with Mac. And also free agents don't want to go there. They, they wanted to go there when Brady was there because you got a chance to win a Super Bowl. There, there's no reason to go unless you want to say, hey, I got to play under the greatest coach of all time for one season. But that's it. There's no draw there. Yeah, I mean, two years ago, they spent a boatload of money bringing in free agents, uh, you know, bringing in tight ends, bringing in Matt Judon at the defensive end position. And I think to your point, that is why they had to pay 
because there was no Tom Brady to lure guys there to try to win a championship in their last couple of years. Um, Tom is a, is a unique guy. And, and what's going on right now with, with Bill is really strengthening the argument that it was more Tom than it was Bill. I still think that together they really were what, what made the New England Patriots dynamic. But if you're not going to have Tom Brady and you're not going to have a chance to win a championship, and you got to go follow the Patriot way. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun, if you ask me. What did Tom Brady do better than you? Oh, man. Win Super Bowls? How about, <laughs> I mean, how about what, aside from running, what did you do better than Brady? Um, wow. Honestly, I don't know if, there, if there's really anything, because when you look at Tom Brady's story, uh, he did face adversity. You know, his story at Michigan and, and really biding his time, working hard and still getting replaced uh, his, his senior year and having a split time there and then coming to the NFL, being a low draft pick. Uh, I think Tom Brady has one of the greatest stories uh, in NFL history with what he was able to accomplish, uh, his ability to process on the field. Um, the, the one thing that I'll say that Brady had that I didn't early in my career was a dominant defense. And I'm I'm a full believer in this, and I believed it when I had when I was Lamar Jackson's mentor in Baltimore. Uh, Lamar had a really good defense to help get him the ball back, to give him more opportunities to go out and make plays, and also just over the course of the first three years of his career, a defense that he could truly rely on when the offense wasn't doing well. Brady had the same thing, and I think that allowed Tom to grow into the player that he eventually became, that didn't need the great defense. Now I'm not saying he didn't when he won the championships, he still had great defenses, but it allowed him to grow. And for me in Washington, it was like everything was on me immediately. And I had to go out there and and try to make magic happen from the start. And we did. And it was a lot of fun until I got hurt. Um, So when you ask me, what does Tom Brady do better than me on the football field? I say just about everything he did better because he's the greatest of all time. That field that you played on with Washington was terrible. Yeah, that was like it was like sand, you know. Well, I still remember images of, of like myself and Alfred Morris running, you know, from one side of the field to the other and just sand kicking up behind us like a Tasmanian devil. It was a really bad field and a lot of guys got hurt on that field as well. But I think, um, you know, with, with Josh Harris and the group, Uh, They've done everything they can up to this point to try to improve the grass there. And I know that's going to be a major point of emphasis going forward that it never becomes like that ever again. Yeah, it was terrible. Is Joe Burrow hurting the Bengals by playing? Oh, wow. That is a that's a tough question. In the in the first game that he played, Dan, I believe he helped them from a standpoint of him being tough and gritty and putting it on the line for his team. Uh, and they didn't win that game because of Joe Burrow. They won it because Joe Burrow played. Everyone else raised their level. And there is something to say about that. But when I watched this past game, oh, my gosh, uh, Joe Burrow doesn't need to be playing right now. He does not need to be playing. He does not need to be on the field. Uh, he's not healthy. His mobility is hampered. It's hampering the offense. He's not able to move. I saw him scramble on the first drive. They had like a 15-play drive. And he scrambled early in that drive and he took like three steps and just was like, yeah, I'm good. And just slid down to the ground. And we were on Monday night countdown talking about this, Dan. And, and I got a little, you know, agitated because I've been through that, you know, uh, playing through injury and the risk of re-injury or a more catastrophic injury is significantly higher, 
right now for Joe Burrow. I just don't want to see him go through what I did. He's one of the faces of the league. Uh, he's one of the greatest players we have right now. Him getting fully healthy, give him four or five weeks off, let him get healthy, you know, let the backup go out there, defense play your tail off, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, all these guys raise their level. Um, that'll help the Bengals more than playing Joe Burrow right now. And who knows, they might go on a winning streak here. I just don't want to see Joe Burrow get hurt. If you were the Bears and you would have the number one pick next year, what are you going to do? Is there is it even a question? <laughs> It is a question, Dad. Everyone's like jumping off the Justin Fields uh, boat. And I look at it this way. We've seen great quarterbacks struggle early in their careers. We've seen great quarterbacks play really, really well. Uh, and then in, you know, year four, five, six, then they, the team starts winning. Uh, for me, Justin Fields has, what, 13 games left to kind of show the Bears that he's the guy. They could have the first pick in the draft. And if Justin Fields throws 25 touchdowns and has and improves his completion percentage and has a great QBR, I think that would point to them keeping him and not drafting a quarterback number one overall. But he's going to have to do that. And, and I honestly think that if he does that, they're not going to lose enough games to be to have the number one pick. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that take because how Justin Fields looked the first couple games. But look at what he looked like against the Broncos. Looked like to me that he started playing free, started looking like himself again. And I know it's the Broncos. Everybody's been looking like <laughs> world beaters against the Broncos. But let's see if he can build upon that performance before we just throw the guy to the wayside. The second best college quarterback is who? Oh, wow. You're saying second best because obviously you think the best is uh, Caleb Williams. Unless I'm wrong. No, I agree with you. Okay. Uh, Caleb Williams, that's my Heisman brother. Okay. Um, he is he is phenomenal. I think we can get spoiled by his greatness a little bit. I think he's in that category right now. Uh, but the second best quarterback to me is Michael Penix Jr. Uh, I call him Big Penix Energy. Uh, he, he's the second <laughs> best quarterback. He, he's the second best. I, I gave him that nickname on the broadcast, and let's just say he's using it now to make money for NIL. And I'm happy about that. I'm good. I'm good with it. I, I don't bother. Don't bother me at all. Big Viagra. All the way. Viagra. <laughs> I like so that. he's he's the second best QB. Uh, I always say he's a lefty, but he throws it just right. He has every throw in his bag. And I think he went back to college, Dan, just to show NFL evaluators that he can stay healthy. You know, first four years of his, of his college career, he was hurt, had a season ending injury every single season. But I've called two of his games in the past two years hmm. and I've co I've come come away beyond impressed. He can do everything you want the quarterback to do. And he reminds me a lot of Tua Tungabailoa right now with the way that he's processing in college. How quickly would you have said yes if Dion recruited you? Oh, yes, uh, immediately. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just think about it. Dion's got three things going for him, right? And probably more than that, but he was the guy that got recruited, right? He's been the parent of the kid that's getting recruited, and now he's the coach that's recruiting the kid. So he's experienced all those things. And at this point, Dan, I don't even think it matters that he was a Hall of Fame cornerback. I don't think it matters that I consider him the greatest of all time at the cornerback position. And I know that's up for debate, but that's how I feel about it. The kids don't care about that. They care about what he brings to the table for them. He's allowing these guys to play free, have fun, not be afraid of, you know, reading your press clippings, which we always were told you're not supposed to do that. And his whole message is if you read them and you want them to stay good, then go play good. And his guys are rising to the occasion. What he's done at Colorado, I know they've lost two straight, 
But what he's done there, winning three games and playing USC competitively has been nothing short of amazing after they won one game last year. So if he had come to recruit me when I was a high school player, for sure, there's no way I'm telling him no. But what if he said, I want you to play defensive back? Yeah, I'm saying no. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, Didn't didn't Texas do that to you? Texas, Texas did. They came in. I had a one day offer from Texas, Dan, a one day offer. They came in. It was uh, spring ball my senior year. They came to the coach's office. His name was Jack Welch. Uh, that was our head coach in, in high school. And they were there to offer our, our starting linebacker, a kid that was younger than me named Tanner Brock. Really good player. Um, had a brother named Logan Brock that went to TCU, played tight end, played in the NFL for a few seasons. And they offered me as an athlete. And I walk in the office. Coach says, hey, Texas offered you as an athlete. I said, hey, coach, nice to meet you. But I'm a quarterback. Guy stormed out and said, your offer is off the table. Well, you know, I ended up going two and one against Texas in my college time. So <laughs> it all paid off in the end. But there were a few schools that did offer me as an athlete or a DB or a wide receiver. And I just stayed convicted in the fact that I knew I was a quarterback. Well, same thing with Manziel. Wasn't he asked to yeah. be a defensive back? Yeah, I mean, you got to think back to what Texas was was doing back then, you know, playing for national titles, uh, always a top ranked team. Every quarterback in the state wanted to go to the University of Texas. And they just felt like they wanted to get the best athletes to their school, but just move them around to different positions. And they missed on a lot of us. I mean, there's a long list of quarterbacks that they missed on. Good luck with the podcast. Let me know when you want me on. And uh, it's great to connect with you again. I appreciate you, brother. And uh, remember, my name is, uh, what was it? Robert Griffith Jr. The third. Yes, it is. McLovin. (laughs) There you go, McLovin. We love it. (laughs) Thank you, Robert. That's uh, RG3, his first podcast, RG3 and the Ones with Wave Sports Entertainment and a unique look at the NFL season through the lens of a veteran quarterback and some of the game's best playmakers.